So today's daf is Ein Hei in Yoma. We are on Ein Dalid, seven lines from the bottom of Amud Bet. Ein Dalid Amud Bet. Uh, it's going to be some Agadot today because we got on the topic yesterday of of Man. The Man is the, because it says, the, it says Hashem uh, afflicted the people. Right? That Hashem caused them to have Inui and made them hungry and He gave them Man. So the... Um, so the theme of the man comes up as a result of that. It says, Hashem fed you man in the desert so that you would be afflicted, so that you would have like some, it wouldn't be so easy. So Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi uh, had a machloket about the meaning of this. Like we saw... Um, that uh, uh, th- th- this concept before, but kind of the opposite way around. In other words, he's saying that what's the torture of the man? The man, the torture of the man is that the person doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. It's one thing you know where your next meal is coming from. Uh, you have it in your hand. You have it in the. You know, most people, thank God, you know, they go to sleep at night. They have food in the in the refrigerator. They have food in the cabinet. A person who's eating the man every day, it's uh, he finishes it and he doesn't know what's coming tomorrow. So that's the. Torture, that's the affliction of the man. Because question of the pasuk is, it says, ha-machil ba-midbar. So what's the, what's the affliction? The affliction is, psychologically, that the person doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. That can be difficult for a person. Another thing, it says, A person who can't see what they're eating doesn't have the same experience as somebody who does. So you see, they both are interpreting it as a uh, as a psychological affliction. They're eating the man, but either because they, it tastes like, like according to that, we're going to see the Midrashim that come up, the Agadot that come up, it, it could taste like anything. Rashi says, mm-hmm. A person could taste anything in the man, but they only see man. So it's a weird thing because you're eating something that just looks like a bland item, but it tastes like whatever you're imagining it. So you're not seeing your food and not seeing your food. Seeing the food is part of the psych- psychological enjoyment. Like if you eat in total pitch black, you don't enjoy the food the same way. It's very interesting, but it's true that the appearance of the food, it really makes a difference. Of course, food that looks good and tastes bad is not good either. But um, but not being able to see the food really affects you. I remember when I was a, like... Uh, it, we're talking back in the 1980s when I was, you know, when I was little, we had um, one year when we were living in Washington, we had a, a blackout on Thanksgiving and we sat in pitch black. I remember we sat in pitch black with like little candles and we ate and I remember I couldn't see what I was eating and it really, like to this day, like I still remember it wasn't enjoyable because we couldn't see what we were eating. Anyway, Amarav Yosef, Mikan Remez, Sumin Shochimen This is a hint to, the, to the, the blind, those who can't see that they don't have the same satisfaction from their food wow. as those who can see. Therefore, a person who has a, a meal should eat it during the day. Now, we're going to see later. What he means is he should eat it with lighting. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be during the day, but it means he should eat it in the light. That's why you're supposed to have Shabbat candles. I, or, you know, the, the, one of the ideas is that you're supposed to have Shabbat candles in the area where you're eating because you were supposed to be able to see. Amr Abi Zerah, Maikra, Tov, Marei, Enaim. What does the Pasuk mean when it says, Tov, Marei, Enaim, Me'aluch, Nafesh? That the, um, 
that the, uh, the, the vision of the eyes is better than the going of the soul, literally. Better than the, the, than the going. What does it mean? Amar Lakish. says, that the, the appearance of a woman is better than the actual being with the woman. A person always thinks that uh, they're chasing after a girl, it's going to be uh, so great, but actually being with the woman is not as good as the fantasy. The fantasy, the appearance, is better than the reality. Right, that's why it says It means that the uh, when the that the the appearance is better than the uh, than the going, the actual uh, the actual activity um, is not as good as the um, as the appearance. But that again is talking about the psychology of a vision. So sometimes vision vision can make a good experience better, or lack of vision can make a good experience worse. But sometimes just, you know appearances can be deceiving, and something might look. You've, we've all been in a situation where something looks amazing and it doesn't taste good at all, or it isn't as good. Then it says, Kitin, because Eno, Yitalech Misharim. It says, when a person puts his eyes, this is again from Mishlei, this one, the previous one was from Kohelet, it's from Mishlei, when the person puts his eyes in the cup, meaning a person who is involved in drinking, right? Yitalech Misharim, he walks straight. So, I mean, what does that mean, Yitalech Misharim? puts the, his eyes in the cup, it sounds like, uh, uh, see, right, the pshat is that uh, don't get drunk because uh, a person should walk straight. I mean, because you're going to walk like you're going to fail that test that the police do when you uh, when you walk in a straight line, right? So that seems to be the pshat, but it's saying something. It's it's interpreting it differently. I'm Rabbi Amiva. We say again. Uh, so, so, now the, there's a correction here in the text from the Bach that it says kol harayot. Um, that everything that is immoral, all the immoral behaviors look like Mishor. They look like they're straight. In other words, all of a sudden, the person sees things that really are wrong as being okay because he's drinking. Another says, no, somebody who drinks too much, that the whole world looks straight to him, meaning that he can steal and, and, and do all kinds of unethical things. Some people, you know, point out that when a person gets, becomes an alcoholic, sometimes they, or a drug addict, a lot of times they start stealing because they have to support their habit and things like that. So it makes things seem straight to them that are not. So the, um, the pasuk says that, and at the end of his vidaratov, that the literally the pasuk means that worry in a man's heart ruins it. It like destroys the heart, but uh, happiness makes uh, you know when a person has a good news, it makes him feel good. But they interpret it the word yashchena is a strange word. So it says, what does it mean? Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi again. means yashchena midato. In other words, change the shin to a sin, and it means remove it. La Right, uh, right. So removing it from the mind, meaning if you have something that's bothering you, remove it from your mind. Another one says, no, you should talk about it with other people. So this is like, um, this is uh, predating the idea of therapy for, you know, uh, two thousand years ago. They also said, like, uh, if you have troubles, yeah, get it off your chest. Talk about it. When you talk about it, it makes you feel better. So either get it out of your mind or share it with others. It makes you feel better. It says that the snake's food is is dirt. Rabbi Amiv Rabbi Asi again. One says that what it means is that even if the nachash, even if the snake eats all the good food in the world, he still tastes like dirt. It still tastes like dirt to him. Look, I've had actual food that tasted like dirt, so I know what that feels like. I'll tell you a story one time, but not now because we don't have time. 
It means that, a per, that even if he eats all the food in the world, he won't be satisfied in, like, mentally until he has also some dirt. Like, he's not, he doesn't just, right. It's like a person who will eat a gourmet food and, no, I have to have also junk food. What, what, but you had gourmet food. No, I have to have the So that's the way it is. Tanya, it says in the bright, I'm Rabbi Yossi. The way of Hashem is not like the way of human beings. Um, if a person is angry at another person, he'll go down to his life, meaning he'll, he has everything he wants to ruin, meaning anything he can cause him, you know, anything he can cause him suffering to the enemy, he'll do it. Even though Hashem curses somebody, he still makes like, puts a positive spin on it. How so? He cursed the Nachash, but Olele Gag. If he goes up to the roof, he has food because he eats the dirt. Everywhere he goes, he has food. So on one hand, it's a curse. He's eating dirt. On the other hand, when you can eat dirt, uh, you, you never run out of food. Right? Um, he cursed Kanaan to become a slave, which is pretty bad. But the fact is that a slave has certain benefits. He gets free food. Right? He gets to, uh, he gets to live um, on the, uh, you know, he always knows where his next meal is coming from. So it's not so bad. Even though Hashem cursed the woman, everyone runs after women. They all like love women, even though apparently a woman is cursed. But uh, men don't see that. Hashem cursed the land. And yet it's, the, it's what provides food for everyone. And all the food grows out of the land. So in other words, the idea is that Hashem is not absolute. Even when he curses, even when he places something negative, there's always a positive side to it. Not like it says we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt for free. Now, the reason why it's mentioning this is because it's mentioning all of the things in Parashat Aman. Or it's mentioning all the things that relate to the coming down of the man or the coming down of the slav, of the birds. All those things. It's talking about those situations where they uh, spoke about their uh, pining for food, their desire for food. Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel argued about this pasuk. And again, we don't know who said what. We just know that they argued about it. Whenever it says two people argued and one said this and one said this, that means that we know it was in a debate, but probably they got so into the debate that they couldn't remember which one was actually taking which position they're arguing back and forth. One says what they were asking for was actual fish, which is what they say. One says no, they were actually using that as a figure of speech for sexual immorality, for the arayot. So the one that says fish, he says, well, that's what it says. We want to eat. What, what do you mean? We're talking about fish. Right? The one that says arayot is, no, it says free. So they didn't have food for free. They were enslaved. They didn't get food for free. So obviously it means a euphemism. They're talking about eating, but really they're talking about a different kind of a pleasure, right? What about the fact that it says eating? So how can the person who say, how can anybody think that that means arayot? It means sexual behavior when it says eating. It's using um, a euphemistic language. And this is a famous pasuk that it's describing the woman who is the adulterous woman, and it says that the woman eats and wipe, wipes her mouth and says, I didn't do anything. In other words, but it's really referring to the adulterous woman. It's saying that they, it's like they had a, it's like they were eating, they're satiated, they're satisfied. It's like eating, but really it's not talking about eating, it's talking about 
uh, sexuality. Now, according to the one who says it's fish, so why did it say that it's free? Because actually, they would receive free fish. How did they get free fish? Because the master said, when the, when the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt and they would draw water, they would get these little fish in their buckets and they would be able to eat the fish for free. So it was really true. They had free fish. So they were, so they were, they were missing the free fish. So we understand the side that says that what they were really asking for was fish. They wanted fish. They wanted some locks with their uh, man, like uh, every Jewish person, an American Jew, they want some locks, some a little bit of fish, right? They wanted that, but uh, but they didn't. They were not lo They weren't involved in arayot. I knew the katav or dichtiv. That's why it says gan The pasuk in uh, in Shir Shirim it talks about the Jewish people. It says they are a closed garden, meaning that the Jewish people were were um, and mayan chatum a sealed. Uh, 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 um, spring, because the idea is that they didn't engage in inappropriate uh, sexual behavior, right? So then, why is? But according to the one that says that they were actually missing the immor- immoral lifestyle, like the, the you know the libertine lifestyle that they had in Egypt. So then, how come uh, how come it says mayan uh, chatum that they weren't involved in that? That just means that they didn't go after the actual relatives that were forbidden to them or the, the people who were forbidden uh, to them uh, that they could never be with, like those who were prohibited. Rashi says, Right? So the ones that even B'nai Noach don't marry, that they weren't interested in their sisters and things like that. They, that, that was not part of, their, uh, uh, part of their interest, but meaning they wanted to have a... Uh, a, a free lifestyle in terms of sexuality. We understand the side that says that they were crying about Arayot because we have another Pasuk that says Moshe heard them crying to their families or with their families literally is what it means but we interpret that as that they were crying about their families meaning that they couldn't marry certain relatives that they were restricted from marrying certain relatives so that you see that they were crying about that but according to the one that says that really all they were whining about was that they wanted fish or they wanted some kind of a meat so what's that they were crying by their families you're right according to that view they were missing both in other words the primary complaint uh, is the argument. According to one side, the primary complaint was about the sexual limitations and the food was just a euphemism. It was just a figure of speech. According to the other side, the real complaint was about food, but once they were complaining about that, they also complained about the other limitations. They talked about the gourds and the uh, and the avatichim uh, that they had the uh, watermelons that they had in um, in Egypt, and so they were complaining about the uh, the the menu that they had, uh, and and they're missing it. So Rabbi and Rabbi Asi are back now. They have, a, but again, we rarely know which one is which. Even the letters of their names are very close, but we don't know, right? So Chadamar Tam Kolaminin Tamu Vehen Tam Chameshet Aminin Halal that we know that they tasted anything they wanted in the month. So why are they specifically mentioning, right, in the Pasuk, then they describe how upset they are, dissatisfied. They say, we remember the Dagim, the Kishuim, Avatichim, Chatzir, Betzalim, and Shumim. They mention a whole bunch of different vegetables that they miss, garlic and onion and, 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 the, uh, and so on. They, they're mentioning all of these different kinds of foods that they, that they had when they were in Egypt. Yes, in the Pasuk. Yeah. This is... 
Yeah, the pasuk says the charot dagash on chovos ayim chinam. We remember the fish that we had in Mitzrayim for free, right? Uh, right, and then it mentions no, not that chavish tamidim. Yeah, no. And then it's and then no, they said et kishuim, et avatichim, et chatzir, et tzayvetashumim. They mention a bunch of different um, vegetables, or I guess avatich is a fruit, but assuming that avatich is still the same meaning that it had in Tanakh times, I'm not sure. It's like cucumber. Well, kishuim could be cucumber or any kind of a squash or gourd or something like that. It's not always clear whether the names for the vegetables that they had are exactly the same as what we have now. Probably most of the cases, like B'tzalim, I guess so. Uh, I don't see a reason not to think that. But Avatiach, I'm not 100% sure because now Avatiach is a Hinduneh. Yeah, Chatzir, I'm not sure. I think it says leeks. Right, that's what he says. He says the reason they didn't taste... So they tasted every kind of... Quick question. No, because it was before the giving of the Torah, so, so they didn't have that. What do you mean? They were saying, "Why can't we do that anymore?" But that's that was from before. That was from before. Right, you're right. Before they had different rules. They had different rules before. Right. So, but now they had restrictions, so they're complaining about that. That's all. Nashal beninoach. No. Now it is, yeah. After the Matan Torah, it is. So the thing is, all of the foods in the world they could have tasted in the man, but not for these five things, and that's why they were complaining about them. All of the other foods that they would imagine when they ate the man, not only did they taste the taste of the food, they even tasted, they even felt like the texture of the food. Mamasham is like it even felt like the food. Except these they could have the taste, but not the feeling of it, because apparently that was what would disturb pregnant women, according to Rashi. That's the reason for these foods. Okay, but there's also just a simple way to interpret it. It's like whatever you can't have, that's the only thing you focus on. It's like whoever said, "I wish I could have a garlic." I don't know. You know, it's like there's so many other things you could think of, and you have to think of that. You think of what you can't have. That's the bottom line, right? Now, kizeragad lavan. It says it was like a coriander seed lavan that was white. Amar Rabbi Yassi said, "It says that it was a, that when it came to the shape, okay." That agul kegida, uh, it was round like coriander seed. Vilavan kimargalit, but it was white like a pearl. Okay, and uh, and now should it say actually tani damiachi? That's what it says in the bottom. No, tanu rabbanan. Fine. God shedomel lezera pishtan begivolin. That it's called God because God lavan means that it's like the flax seed when it's in the stalk. Okay, it's called Gad, because it's like the Haggadah, meaning it's like Agadot. It doesn't mean the Haggadah of Pesach. Agadah, right. They call in, in the Gemara, in, in, in Mishnah times, like in, whenever they write in Hebrew, they, a lot of times they call Agadot uh, Haggadah, because it's related to each other. It's something you tell. Right, that's, that's where it comes from. Yeah, so it's saying that it's like stories that that pull a person in. So too, the uh, man was so good it would it pulled you in. Tanya idach another bright God she magid lehem Yisrael that it's called kizera God because lehagid again because it would tell secrets. You want to know secrets? It will tell you because, for example, iben tishal rishon iben shivah lachron. Right. So, for instance, it's very funny. What it means is like, let's say a woman got divorced. And uh, she remarried and got pregnant 
shortly after getting remarried. Now, you're not actually allowed to do that. You have to wait at least three months. But uh, the woman went and got married right away. And now she's pregnant. She doesn't know if it's Ben Tish'al Rishon, Ben Shibal In other words, when she gives birth, she doesn't know if the pregnancy was. Obviously, if she's pregnant for a full nine months, after the second marriage, we know it came from the second husband. But if it's somewhere in the middle, it could have been from the first husband, could have been from the second husband. We don't know. So how are you going to know the identity? So it says, well, if we know that every family, they collected man exactly enough for the members of the family. So if the fa- if the first husband, he collected the extra one. Okay, so that means it was from him. Yeah, nah, it was the it was the the uh, it was a paternity test of the uh, ancient time in the Midbar, right? Ah, Lavan, Shemalbina, Vonotem, Shel Yisrael. It was called Lavan because it whitened the sins of Israel, meaning since a person didn't know where their next meal is coming from, so the Jewish people would always want to do Teshuvah to make sure that they didn't lose the Zechut of having that food. Tanya, it says in the Bible, Just like the Navi would tell the Jewish people what is in the Chorin and Tzedakim, what is in the cracks of things, meaning the secrets of things. Not Haman from Purim. The man. They would... Would reveal secrets. How did it reveal the secrets that were in the nooks and crannies of things? Two people would come to Moshe Rabbeinu for a judgment. One said, You stole my slave. You sold him to me. Judge in the morning. So so the same thing. In other words, if the person, if the man for that Eved comes to the uh, first master, that means it belongs to him. And if it comes to the second, it comes to him. So similarly with the husband and wife, they were in a dispute. So Zeomer. Huh? Why? So? Right. So they wouldn't be able to do it on Friday, you mean? They wouldn't. Well, they would because it would be an odd number. Right. It would have to be an even number. Yeah. Yeah, so it will still work. Yeah, it will still be even. So, um, so, uh, where was I? Right, oh, right. So she says, right. Uh, he, she, he says, she says that, he says that she, um, she was the one who was unfaithful or whatever, so therefore I don't want to pay the ketubah. And she says, He mistreated me and he just doesn't want to pay the ketubah because he's uh, a deadbeat guy. Wait till the morning. If, she, if her portion is found in the house of the husband, so that shows that she really belongs with the husband and she's causing trouble. But if it's found in her father's house, that that means that she really belongs in her father's house because he's the one mistreating her and he has to pay up. Okay, now, Ketiv, it says in the Pasuk, It says that the tal would fall on the ground, the first you would have the dew on the ground, and then the man would go on it. Uchtiv, and it says, Uchtiv, shatu So it says that the man would come down, and it says that people would go out and get it, or it says that they would walk around, like search around and get it. Ha-ketzad, how did it work? Tzadikim, yarad al-petach batehim. For the tzadikim, it would be right outside their door. They open the door, the man is right there for them. It was uh, just like uh, Amazon uh, delivery to the door, right? Benonim, yatu velaktu. The people in the middle, they had to actually go out of the house, but not too far. Shaim, the people who were wicked, they had to search around to get it. There are three things said about the man. One is that it was lechem, it was bread. One says it was ugot, it was like cakes. 
One says tachanu, that they ground it, meaning it wasn't even uh, edible. It had to be ground up and cooked. So which one? They said haketzah, tzadikim lechem. For the tzadikim, they would get ready to eat portions. They didn't have to do any work, right? However, benonim, ugot. So that for the benonim, it wasn't exactly on the same level as lechem, but it was ugot, which is... Um, Meaning that it was like, uh, Rashi says, Ugot here means like, it was like a dough, you know, ready baked. Like you, you, in other words, for the tzaddikim, it would come ready to eat baked. For the regular, for the average person, Benonim, they would get it like, you know how you can buy dough, frozen dough, frozen dough and you put it like the kineret chala, you buy the brand of kineret, you put it in and you, and you bake it, right? They would have bake-off dough, basically, that's what they had. Rishayim, tachum rechaim. But the Rishayim, they had to, uh, yeah, this is okay. Right, so then, so then the Rasha, he would actually have to grind it into flour, knead it to the work, he had much more work ahead of it. But then it says, tachum rechaim, od dachubam docha, they would, Either grind it up or they would like crush it. That we learn from here that uh, that because to crush something is uh, is something that normally is done with spices and fragrance and things like that that they would put as perfume. So Rashi uh, says bisami shein. That 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 they are that the besamim the spices meaning the um that usually they are the women wear them right he says they would want to smell good so since there's something that is the you put them in the mortar the midocha you 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 crush them so that's what it's talking about they would have that the okay so that's so that's an additional thing that they would get they would. Be, they would boil it in a pot. Not only did they get man, but they also got spices to season their food. Okay? Together with that. How? I, I don't know. I, how? I don't know. I wasn't involved, but that's a, a different pasuk talking about how they would bring gifts to the construction of the Mishkan each morning. Baboker, baboker, they brought. My baboker, baboker. What does it mean every morning? What it means is um, that uh, meaning they brought from what fell each morning. When it says that they brought things to Moshe each morning, it means they brought from what fell each morning. What fell each morning was man. So what would they bring man to build the Mishkan? No, not only did they get spices, and not only did they get bisamim for, for their wives to smell good, but they even had, you know, they even had all kinds of gems and pearls that came down with the man too. Right? So you would be out of business. You'd be out of business. The market would... So later on it says that it was the princes They were the ones who brought the gems for the Choshen But it says Tanah, the Brita said that Nisi'im Mamash That Nisi'im also in Tanakh means clouds Meaning the clouds brought the gems Meaning they brought them to the That's a Pasuk that um, talks about a person who makes a false uh, commitment to Tzedakah Right, it says that um, in other words, a person makes a makes a pledge and doesn't keep it. Right, that's in Mishlei. That it's like having clouds and uh, 
and, and wind, but no rain. So the person makes a big deal. Everyone thinks that he's going to be giving a million dollars and then he doesn't write the check in the end or bounces or whatever. So that's the, uh, that's matat shekir, false uh, gift. But anyway, nisi'im means clouds. So, so therefore the clouds brought them gems and they brought them. And it says that its taste was like lishadasham. It literally means like a honey cake, lishadasham. Like a, like a oil cake, I mean. Right? Lishadashamen. So what is it? So Amarabi Abau, they're interpreting it as breast. Like, uh, so they're not, they're lishad, not meaning uh, 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 a cake or a food, but meaning breast of the woman. So ma, so just like shadzet, inokto emba kamatami. Just like a, 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 the baby that nurses, he tastes lots of different things because whatever the mother tastes, whatever the mother eats, the baby tastes it. Also when the Jewish people would eat them on, they tasted all kinds of different things. Um, another possibility is, uh, some say, no, the shed, mamash, is talking about shedim, demons. Just like a shed can transform into all kinds of different things. So lishad is a reference either because of the nursing metaphor or because of shedim to something that can change into all kinds of different forms depending on what you want. Moshe said to the people, Hashem is going to give you meat in the evening to eat and bread in the morning to be satisfied. Since the Jewish people asked for meat, in an improper way, they received it in an improper way. But lechem In other words, Rashi explains why is it shalo, why is it improper the way that they asked for the meat because they already had lots of flocks of animals and all that they could have had from them, their own. They didn't need to ask Hashem complain for meat. They had plenty of animals, so they didn't need to ask for that. That's number one, right? And so therefore, Hashem gave it to them. Rashi says late in the evening so that they it, they didn't have time to prepare it properly, but. Um, but the bread, a person can't live without, uh, without some kind of bread. Or he says, a person cannot live without bread. So therefore, it's normal to ask Hashem for some bread. So therefore, he gave it to them in the morning, gave them plenty of time to prepare it sufficiently. And then it says, You see from this that a person should have a meat meal in the evening time. Now, that's interesting because it seems to contradict it because before it says that he gave it to them improperly by giving it at night. And now it's saying, no, no, it's right to have it at night. No, what it means is that there's a difference because a person who gets it in the evening with enough time to prepare it, that's okay. Meaning the right time to have an evening meal is in the evening. But if you get it so late that you don't have time to prepare it properly... So then it would, then it becomes a negative, right? Didn't we just learn on the previous Amud, or actually two Amudim ago, that a person should always have a meal during the daytime? Because uh, you want to see your food, and seeing your food is part of the experience. It says, no. He means, what he means to say is, like the daytime. Meaning you should have lights on. Don't eat in the dark. Even though they have these weird restaurants where you go and you, ha- and you put a blindfold and you eat. It's like, th- that's not actually good. In the beginning, the Jewish people were like uh, chickens that uh, go into the dump and they pick out food, meaning they didn't have organized schedule. But it shows you it's a certain aspect of being civilized. Like an animal just eats whenever it's hungry and random times. But a person has like a schedule. They have breakfast, lunch, dinner, or what, something like that. Some kind of a schedule shows civ- being civilized, right? Now, it says that as soon as the meat was between their teeth, they started dying when they got the meat, right? When they got the slav. And they got the, the, the quail. But then it says, no, Hashem is going to give it to you for a month. So what happened? What do you mean? Uh, which was it? Was it a month? Or was it, um, 
or was it immediate? So it says, Haketzad binonim lautar. Depends. The people who were the ordinary people who weren't so bad, they died immediately, so they didn't have to suffer, right? Lautar metu. Notice it doesn't mention the tzaddikim because I guess the tzaddikim did not participate in that, right? But it's saying the regular people who did it, they died immediately, so they wouldn't have to suffer. The shayim they suffered for a month of uh, feeling sick and bloated from the quail before they died. It says that they were spread out, right? They were uh, they were all spread out the quail across the camp. Right? As he switches around the letter. That really the Jewish people deserved shechita. Meaning not that the birds deserved shechita, but that the Jews deserved to die because of their uh, demanding the meat, which was considered an extra luxury, not necessary and, and very um, inappropriate. Shatoch. It says, right, it always says, because it doesn't want to say anything bad about the Jews, because we don't want to say like we're cursing the Jews. Right? It says, what's the double language? Which means that this item that they received required shechita. Why does it have to mention that? Because there is a machloket in Masechet Chulin whether birds require shechita or not. Min HaTorah. Whether it's only Midoraita or whether it's only Midorabanan, the shechita on birds. And so therefore you see from this that from the fact that it alludes to shechita on the quail, that, that quail are something that would require shechita. Birds require shechita. Right? Amar Rabbi said... You have to learn it from there, from switching around the letters of a pasuk to learn that birds require here shechita. And uh, some say it should say Rabbi Yossi. Actually, it should be Amar Rabbi Yossi. Right? We already have a pasuk that shows that birds and regular meat are the same. Because it says that Hashem um, rained upon them like dust, meat. And like the um, dust of the, uh, and like kechol yamim, like the sand of the beach, basically, of kanaf, um, birds of a, a, of a winged birds. So the idea is that meat and birds are compared to be the same, just like meat requires shechita, so too birds require shechita. V'tanyam, we lived in a brighter, Rabbi Omer, v'zavachta kasher tziviticha, that's a famous pasuk, where in Parashat A, where Hashem, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, when you come to the land, even though you're not going to be bringing all of your animals as korbanot anymore, but v'zavachta kasher tziviticha, you still have to slaughter everything that you eat the way that I commanded you. Melamed shenitztava Moshe ala veshet v'ala kane, arov echad ba'ov, arov shenayim b'beima, that Moshe Rabbeinu received as Torah about Peh, the uh, oral tradition that you have to, when you slaughter, you have to slice both the veshet and the kaneh. You have to slice the esophagus and the trachea in, a, in an animal, both of them, and in a bird, at least one of them, right? Uh, the majority of both or the majority of one. So if we're not going to learn the idea of shechita from uh, from the case of the quail, because we have other psukim that show us that the birds and the animals both require shechita. We don't have to learn that from those psukim. So what does shetoch mean? Melamed shirarad lahem mashtichin mashtichin. That what it means is that they came down in many layers. Okay, the birds came down in many layers on top of. And she says haslav ayu. Um, so he says that it was like uh, layered on top of one another, uh, and that's what it means, shatoach. Okay, now, ketiv, it says also, lechem uchtiv shemen uchtiv dash. In one pasuk it says that, that the man is called lechem, it's called uh, bread. In one case it says that it's called shemen, that it's called lishad uh, shamen. And in one case it says dvash, it's honey. So what's the... Um, 
What, so uh, what, why does it describe it as oil in one case, honey in one case, bread in one case? The young people tasted it as bread. For the older people, it was like oil. I guess that's like smoother and easier for them to, uh, uh, to eat. And then for the tinokot, for the babies, right? The tinokot, it would taste like candy, you know, it tastes like honey. Right, ketiv silav with a sin, vekarinan slav. So normally a shin, the default is to assume it's a sha sound, right? But the fact is it's slav, but it's written with samich. Amar Rabbi Chanina, tzadikim ochlin roto bishalva. That's right. So slav looks like the word shalva, which is in peace. The tzadikim could eat it in peace. Oshayim ochlin roto vidomelein kesilvin. That that means that it was like thorns. So slav and shlav, even though we don't say it as shlav, say slav, but the shin is an indication. That if you were a tzaddik and you just ate some a little bit of it to taste it, then it's okay. Bishalva would be okay. But uh, but if you were a wicked person, it was like thorns, meaning it made them sick. It didn't taste good. It, it bothered and disturbed them. Am Rabbi Hanan Bar Rava. Rabbi Hanan Bar Rava said, "Dalid minei slavin." There are four types of slav. Ve'loed shichli ve'kivli upisyoni uslav me'alia dekulu shichli. The best one is called shikli. slav. The worst one is slav. In other words, there are four kinds of species of these birds um, that are, uh, you know, and the least of them is the slav. The slav is the one that's the smallest. Vava kitsiportats, the size of a bird. And the way that, uh, that he has here is, uh, he adds a word, he says, umalchule, they salt it. they put it in the oven. And then it should say, umaskin, According to, I'm reading from what the Bach adds here. He says, uh, um, It should say, it becomes big until the, it, because it's so oily, it has so much oil and therefore was very tasty, I guess, of a bird. So it would, it would like puff up. So I'm reading from the Bach's version of the text, which he adds a few words in there. It says, then you would take it out of the oven and put it on, even if you put it on to 13 uh, uh, p- uh, slices of bread, right? Ubatraita de kulu in an achelet ela al yidei. Where was it? Ela al yidei tarovet. In other words, that there was so much oil in this bird that would drip down that even if you put 13 pieces of bread under it, the bottom one would be so oily that you would not be able to eat it alone. You would have to mix it with something else. wouldn't be able to eat it alone. Now, obviously, we know that these are sometimes exaggeration. The word 13 is usually a signal that it's exaggeration. It's like I say, I told you a million times or something like that. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it was very oily, but it was uh, obviously that would be very tasty, I guess. Rav When Rav Yudah would find this man, not the man, the slav, uh, between the barrels, I guess, of his, uh, of, of his wine or whatever, when he would go, uh, he would go to, uh, get wine from there, he would find the, um, he would find the, the slav. When he would go get wood from the shed, he would find the slav. Rava would receive, Rava would receive from his, uh, sharecropper that he employed. Every day he would bring him one of these slav, uh, until one day that he didn't come through. So it says, um, uh, he says, Me'agma, he said, it should, it should say that he brought it from the swamp every day. Yom Achad, one day, lo aite, he didn't bring it. Amar Maihai, he said, what happened to my slav? Salikli Igra, he went up to the roof. He said, there's got to be something wrong. I'm going to go up to the roof. He goes up to the roof. Shamele Yanuka, he heard a child, he was reading a pasuk, that, you know, a lot of times they would use the pasuk as an omen, as a sign of something. If they heard a child reading a pasuk, they would think that probably it indicated some kind of a, uh, some kind of a, a signal. And he heard this pasuk from Chavakuk that I heard and my stomach was upset from what I heard. 
Amar, he said, Shema Minei, you hear from this, Nach Nafshed Rav Chisda, his father-in-law Rav Chisda must have died. He's like, that's why the, he's reading this Pasuk of Doom. And because, of the, because my father-in-law died, Ubedil Rabba Achil Talmida. And it's only because of the teacher that the student eats. So meaning, I only got the Slav every day because of the Zechut of my father-in-law who is my teacher. And now that he died, I'm not getting it anymore. Ketiv, says, Vatal Shechvat Tatal, Uchtiv Avoredet Tatal. One Pasuk says that the, um, that the Tal, that the dew was on top of the man. Because it says when the man when the tal went up, you would see the man. The other one says no. When the tal went down, the man fell on the tal. In other words, so, um, so that it wouldn't be dirty from the ground. So which is it? Is the tal on top of the man or is it under the man? So Amar Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina tal milimala vetal milimata was both. And that's why you're supposed to, when you do the hamotzi, cover the bread. Like a lot of people, they cover it on top and bottom, right? Because you're supposed to show, like the man was covered on top and the bottom, right? So that's, uh, that's what it's supposed to be. It's like it was in a box. Because obviously, if something falls on the dirt, you're not really going to want to eat that. Um, so it fell on a layer of dew on top. Uh, on, there was a layer of dew under it and a layer of dew on it. Now it says, dak mechuspas. It was, dak um, mechuspas means like flaky, really, the pshat is, I think, right? But... But they interpret it differently. It's something that melted in your hand. So it was not, uh, uh, it was not like M&M's. Because they melt in your mouth, not in your hand. If you remember that commercial. Remember that? Wasn't that? That was M&M's, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, that, so that, but this melted in your hand if you held it for too long. That's mechuspas. It's coming from the word nimoach alpas. So they're saying it means that it's, uh, it melted in your hand. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, nivla. It's something that was swallowed up and absorbed. Something that was, um, that was swallowed up in your 248 limbs. In other words, there was no waste product from it. Okay? Now, where did they get that from mechuspas? Because if you look at mechuspas, you'll see that you have uh, a gematria here, right? Mem is 40. Chet is 8. So that's 48. Plus the Vav uh, gives you uh, uh, 54. Right? And then you have the the 260 is 120. Right? So that is already um, uh, 174. And then you have the 80. Right? So that would actually come out to a little bit more. Because if you have 174 plus 80, that's already 100 and that's 254, not 248. So we have a little bit too much. So then Amr, so the Gemara asks, Mechuspas tuvahave, that's too much. Mechuspas tiv, it doesn't have a vav. If you look in the Torah, it's missing a vav, right? So the, the absence of the vav shows you that you have to subtract that and you get 248, Mechuspas ketiv, and therefore it's, it's absorbed into the limbs. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Lechem abirim achal ish. It says, a, a man was able to eat Lechem abirim, the, the bread of the mighty. Right? Akiva said that this is referring to the man which is the bread of the Malachim. When Rabbi Ishmael heard this, he said, Go to Rabbi Akiva, Akiva Taita. You're making a mistake. Are you telling me that the Malachim eat bread? Moshe Rabbeinu says, I didn't eat bread and I didn't drink any water. We're talking about El Amani Mekayim Abirim. Right? What does it mean? The bread of the mighty. You have to turn around the letters. So it becomes Evarim, that it's absorbed in the limbs of the body. What about the fact that it gives, the Torah gives instructions to the Jewish people of how to go to the bathroom, that they have to leave the camp and they have a shovel and they go and they dig and they cover. So, so if they're eating uh, bread, that there's, there's no waste product. So why do they need to do that? Right? So it says, no, that's varim. If they bought something at the store, in other words, once in a while they would come by an area that had shops or had, you know, this, and they would buy something. Now, maybe not shishkabab, I'm not sure about that, but whatever, they buy, and then they would eat that, and that, that would be a waste product. 
רבי אלעזר בן פרטה אומר, אפטר אם שתגרו אומות העולם מוכרינן, מן מפיגן, no, even if they ate something that they bought, would, the, the man would neutralize it, and they wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. אבל מה אני מקיים ויתתי לך לזיניך, לאחר שסרחו, after they complained about the man, when they said the לחם הקלוקל, they said this, this bad bread that we don't want, after they said that, Hashem said, oh, you're saying my bread is bad, even though you don't have, have to, you know, it, it relieves you of the, of the uh, uh, requirement of going to the bathroom, okay, I'm going to make it that now you do have to go to the bathroom. I wanted to make you like the angels that you wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. Now you're going to have to walk three parsaot, which is a long way, in order to go to the bathroom. As it says, Uh, it says that they camped by the Yarden that was the extent of the camp he said that the, the length of the camp was three parsa and it says there and you were only allowed to go to the bathroom behind the camp you can't go to the side to the front because you don't know where the cloud is going to move next to indicate that they're going that they're traveling so that means that if you are living Your place is all the way in the front of the camp. You're going to have to go walk miles back to, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, to go to the bathroom. Right? The cloud covers as they go along, like a layer under their feet. Maybe, but the, we're saying that you have to leave completely in order to go to the bathroom. So where are you going to go? You have to go all the way to the back. And all the way to the back could be quite far. If you live in the front, miles are going to have to walk to go to the bathroom because they complain. And now, the people said, we don't have anything. Our soul is dry. What did they say? אמרו, עתיד מן זה שטיפח במהם. In the future, this man is going to explode in our stomachs. Is there any person, כלום יש ילוד אישה. Is there any person who is born of a woman, שמכניס ואינו מוציא, who puts in food and nothing comes out? Meaning that they were complaining that they, they, this was one of the complaints about the man. Like, why is it they're not going to the bathroom? Like, one of the things the doctor asks you, well, you know, is, are you going to the bathroom regularly? It's like a sign there's something wrong. Why is nothing coming out? Right? But that was a complaint, but that was supposed to be a bracha. Now, the next two lines in the Gemara here, are, the Grad takes them out because actually just a repetition of what the... Um, What the, uh, uh, what the Gemara said before that, of, about Rabbi Akiva's statement. So that really we, we, would, we would skip all the way down to the Davar Akhir at the bottom of the Amur, and that's Bezrashem where we'll pick up tomorrow.